Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Even as believers, we often have areas of our lives of prodigal living. We often misuse our Father's time, talents, and treasure to our own ends. And in these times, the greatest thing we can do is to come to our senses, repent, come to our Heavenly Father, and receive His love, forgiveness, and mercy. Let's open now to Luke 15 for part 2 of the parable of the prodigal son. Well, good morning and welcome to this second teaching and this three-part teaching on the prodigal son. Today, we're going to discuss Luke 15, verses 17 through 24. It's Thursday morning, a little after 9 a.m. here in Texas. Hope everyone is well and uh, walking with Jesus. Again, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. As believers, if we'll make this our lifestyle more and more and more and more, we'll not only grow in our relationship with him, we'll not only grow to know him better and love him more, we'll grow to experience his love more. And, and this whole thing, this whole deal of walking with Jesus and the kingdom of God will become more real to us if we'll apply ourselves to those four things. Again, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. Everything we do, we want to do more and more for Jesus and to Jesus and in Jesus and through Jesus. When we give, we don't give for ourselves. We give for him. He gave everything for us. And now the only reasonable response is we spend our lives giving our lives back to him and for him and to him. It's all about Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to go ahead and read verses 17 to 24. And remember, we always ask ourselves, why is this in the Bible? And we're going to get into that. Remember, Romans 15, 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or instruct us, not just to tell us a good story. Um, so we want to really see what this has to teach us as believers in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, Lord Jesus, we do invite you into this time. We invite you into this teaching. We thank you for your mercy and goodness in our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us this parable. These are your words. They're in red in all of our Bibles, Lord. And uh, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Verses 17 to 24, Luke 15. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him 
and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So in part one, we did verses 11 through 16. And one of the major things um, we talked about is that the primary purpose of this parable is for believers. Um, We talked about how regrettably in my view that the vast majority of the time this parable it is used it is used uh, in application to an unbeliever to come home to the kingdom of god um we talked about the various problems with that uh, meaning that if this if the primary purpose of this parable is for an unbeliever it really has very little application at all to us however we walked through and we when we talked about how how really this is written for believers. This belie- uh, this parable has two sons. We only become a son or daughter of God um, after we're saved uh, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, this son is given a part of his father's estate or part of his inheritance. We don't have an inheritance until we become a child of God. And we're going to find here, uh, starting in verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses... You'll notice that Jesus doesn't include a verse here that says, uh, at this time, uh, a minister came to him and shared the good news of the gospel with him. And he, and he received the good news and came to his senses. Jesus did not say that, and he could have. Uh, this man comes to his senses because he's already a child of God. Um, he's already a believer, and he remembers the goodness and charity and love of his father. As believers, when we make mistakes and uh, we're in difficult places and we're all at different levels, um, we can be walking with Jesus in a meaningful way. And yet we still do have areas of prodigal living, right? None of us perfectly uses our father's inheritance. None of us use our time, talents, and treasure consistently and always as our heavenly father would have us to. Um, All of us have believers have areas of our lives where we can better use our time, our talents, our treasure, the inheritance our father has given us for this life in ways that are that are even more pleasing to him. And as I said before, um, this is not religious. It's not that we can't watch a movie or have fun or play a game or go to a ball game or enjoy football or enjoy some apps on our phone. But What we want to remember is that our heavenly father has given us an inheritance. As we learn in this parable, we share in his gifts. Um, They're his and he's given them to us. And the primary reason we have them is to be used in the ways that he would have them to be used in the advancement of his kingdom, the glory of his name, the benefit of his people. And we talked about in, uh, in the first teaching how most of us as believers, most of the time, Um, use our time, talents, and treasures to our own end in the advancement of our own lives, our own careers, our own interests. So 
Verse 17, we said at the end of the last teaching, is, is I believe, the most important verse in this entire parable. And it's really the first six words that says, when he came to his senses, um, wherever we are today, in whatever areas of prodigal living we have in our lives, if we're like this prodigal son and we've we've gone far from our heavenly father and we've completely walked away from our faith, well, then come to your senses today. And if you're a believer that's walking intimately with Jesus today, but you know that you see areas of prodigal living you have, you can see some of the pride of the prodigal in you. There's just some things in your life that you're holding on to that you know your father wants you to let go. Well, then come to your senses today. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to come to my senses today. When he came to his senses, the implication is that he was senseless or out of his mind. And, and really, that's the reality. If you think about it, when we stray from our Heavenly Father's house in anything, it is truly a senseless act. For whatever reasons we do it, whatever the worldly living we have in our lives, whatever aspects of prodigal living, is, we would all agree, is senseless. It not only has no benefit, but it harms us. And like this prodigal, we end up with the pigs, figuratively, obviously, and we end up starving to death. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Whatever areas of prodigal living you have in your life, you're starving yourself. You're starving your spirit. You're starving your soul. When we repent and come to our senses and go back to our Heavenly Father, and we're going to see how our Father embraces us and is overjoyed with our repentance. The purpose of repentance, the purpose of asking for forgiveness and confession and repentance to our Heavenly Father or to Jesus or the Holy Spirit, you can pray to all of them, you can confess to all of them, um, you worship all of them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and only them, as a side note. But the purpose of all that is never for you to feel shame or guilt or uh, condemnation. Your heavenly father will never shame you or guilt you or condemn you. Jesus will never do these things. The Holy Spirit will never do these things. Repentance brings joy. When you come to your heavenly father, when you come to the Lord Jesus or the Holy Spirit and you repent, um, there, there is a joy. We, we, we see here that the father is just overjoyed, filled with compassion, runs to his son. We don't ever have a place in the Bible where we see the father pictured as running, where God is pictured as running. It's an incredible scene of the joy that comes. Sometimes we, we have this misunderstanding that when we come to our father, he's this mean and angry father. And he's going to say, I told you so. That's not how he is. Uh, in our immaturity, in mine, sometimes this is how we behave. But that's not how our Heavenly Father is. So when we repent, and again, repentance, I've said it over and over, is, is the greatest tool a believer has when it comes to his lifestyle Christianity, how he's living his life in Christ. Um, our Father is overjoyed. And... Uh, until we do that, whatever areas of our life are out of place, we're starving ourselves. We're starving ourselves of intimacy with our Father, of relationship with Jesus, of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
So let's come to our senses today. You notice, again, he's a son of God already. He's already a believer. He remembers the goodness of his father. Wherever you've strayed today, and you're a Christian, and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, remember the goodness of your father. Remember what it means to have a relationship with your father as a believer in Jesus Christ. And walk home to him today. Just confess to him as this son does and says, Father, I'm sorry. I, I know that I've been messing up. I know I've been using my life my own way. I know I've been more focused on my career than really my Christianity. I know I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned with other things, whether it's my boyfriend or girlfriend or my spouse or Lord, I know I'm concerned so much with my image and what people think of me, whatever it is. Let's just come to our senses today and you just say, Father, forgive me. And when you do that, uh, there'll be nourishment for your soul. And you'll stop starving your soul and starving your, your spirit. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And he's a son of God. And yet he's starving to death. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. When, when we come to our Father, it ought to be intentional. When we come and we, we confess the areas of our lives that are out of place, they ought to be specific. They ought to be intentional. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and that's true. The prodigal has done these things. Now, the good news is we're going to see that the Father receives the confession, but he doesn't identify the Son by his mistakes. Sometimes one of the great problems we can have in the church today as believers is we identify other believers by their shortcomings. And never does our Father do that. God will never identify you by your weaknesses. You know, we can, um, we can unwittingly, with, with really no compassion, often with contempt in our hearts, Look at other believers, and all we can see is what they do wrong. And Father, I ask you to forgive us this, uh, Lord, I don't even know what the words are, this, this, this terrible disposition we have, this, Lord, when we, when we can see people and only see what they do wrong and see very little of the things they do well, um, we're going to find in here, the Father's going to allow the Son his confession. The Father doesn't disagree with the Son's confession because it's true. It is true that he has sinned against heaven and against you. And that's what we do. And it's true. He's not worthy to be called his son. And none of us are worthy to be sons and daughters of God. It's only by grace that we know him. It's by his mercy. There is no merit in ourselves in us being children of God. As a matter of fact, you can't get saved at all. You cannot be a child of God until you come to an understanding that nothing you do or have done will help you be a child of God. The only way to be a child of God, the only way to become a son or daughter of your heavenly father is to come to an end of yourself and say, Father, I know that I'm a sinful man or woman, and I know that there's nothing I can do to help myself, but I believe that Jesus came and lived for me and died for me and that he's alive and risen 
And Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. I place all my faith and trust in you alone, Jesus, to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a child of God. Only when you understand that you are helpless in yourself and only in receiving Jesus Christ do you even become a child of God. So when you come to your father, and if you've never known him as your father, if you've never been a believer, this son is already a believer, but if you've never been a believer, then then come to him today and rewind this podcast and re-listen to that couple minutes and, and pray and receive Jesus into your heart. And if you do it in that spirit and you genuinely ask Jesus to come into your heart, knowing your need of him, you will be saved and your sins will be forgiven and God the Father will be your heavenly Father and Jesus will be your Lord and your Savior and your Master and your King and your friend and your God and the Holy Spirit will be your guide and your comforter. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. But as believers, like this prodigal, let's be real when we come to our heavenly Father. Let's not, uh, you know, let's not just be cavalier about our repentance the prodigal acknowledges i have sinned against heaven and against you whatever areas again you have prodigal living large or small maybe it's gossip whatever areas of prodigal living are in in, in your life okay yes it's okay if if i watch a movie here and there but i watch four hours of tv a day okay that that's a misuse of your heavenly father's time talent and treasures i enjoy my social media but I'm on it six hours a day. That's not a good use of our time. Again, your father is okay with you enjoying all the different platforms um, as long as you're using them in a holy and godly way. If you, you don't want to be posting inappropriate stuff. I mean, all these things should be obvious to us, right? But we know when we use our gifts and our talents and our time, this prodigal was, was prostituting his inheritance. And, uh, and often we can do the same thing. So in verse 18 and 19, we see sincere confession and repentance. And that's where it starts. But verse 20, if 17's the first most important, this is the second most important verse. And obviously I'm using a little hyperbole. They're all important. But verse 20 says, so he got up and went to his father is the first sentence. When we come to our Father and, and confess the areas of our life that are out of place, that's the beginning. But then we got to walk out that repentance. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his Father. Repentance is a process. We confess our sin to our Father. Again, we do it knowing that he's pleased with us when we do this. But then we got to get up and, and, and start to walk out that repentance. we got to not just talk about it. We have to do it. We have, to, we have to begin to obey him. So he got up and went to his father. Remember, he's in a distant country. He wanted to get so far away from his heavenly father to misuse his inheritance. And we talked about in the first teaching how when we want to live in whatever aspects of sin, we always want to do it away from our heavenly father, away from church, away from other believers, away from the presence of God. And so we, we, it's a journey back. It was a journey away from his father's house, and now he's going to have to journey back to his father's house. Again, the good news is that he knows the way. This, this son is already a believer. He's already lived in his father's house. 
So he understands that he can repent and go back to his father. And his father will receive him. Uh, and he knows the way back to his father's house. Um, an unbeliever doesn't know the way to, to the father. We have to stop and share with them that, that Jesus Christ came and lived for them. And if you'll receive Jesus as your savior, God the father will be your heavenly father. Uh, there's no place in this story where an evangelist comes to him or a minister comes to him or the gospel is comes to him. If I want to use this teaching uh, to speak to an unbeliever, I, I need to segue out of this text and and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them because that's not in here. And again, I believe that's because the son is already a believer. He already knows the way back to the father's house because that's where he's lived. He was already a son of his father, and he's still a son. Um, you'll always be a child of God if you're saved. You may go through prodigal times. You may have times of famine. You may often have times where you need to repent. But if you're truly saved, um, you will always be saved. You'll always be a child of your heavenly father. You can never be kicked out of the family. And that's a whole separate conversation on... Uh, that our salvation is secure if we're genuinely saved. So he got up and went to his father. Lord Jesus, help us today, wherever we are, to truly repent, but then to get up and walk back to our father, to walk in his will and his ways, and to, uh, and to journey back to our father, Lord, moment by moment, day by day. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. All we have to do is begin the journey. Uh, my brother Stephen said today, we just have to have forward movement. If you'll have forward movement toward your heavenly father today, in whatever the areas of repentance, big or small, there's no little things, you want to do it with excitement because you can see what happens here. Uh, I'll say again, we can have a complete misconception of our father. Our father isn't an angry God. Now, again, he is, there, there are, he is pictured of, of having the wrath of God for angry. But it's not when you repent. When you repent, he's overjoyed. He's excited. It says he's filled with compassion for you. He'll run to you as as his son or daughter he'll throw his arms around you and kiss you um the 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 language here is so overwhelming of how intimate your heavenly father wants to be with you this intimacy of the father i don't know that i see it anywhere else in the bible as i said there's nowhere else where the father runs to the son but then you see this tremendous, lavish compassion. And it's not because of anything good the son did. The only thing the son does is repent of areas of his life that were wrong. And so we see here, of course, the father's pleased with you when you obey him and do good. But here we have this immense excitement and joy and compassion in kisses and hugs just over repentance. Please, Holy Spirit, help us to have this view of our Father. 
that when we confess our sins and when we repent, that he has this enormous joy and excitement. Lord, I don't know that I've saw that so clear except sitting in this seat right now. My father is so excited and overjoyed and affectionate. When we repent, this is the farthest thing from him being angry at you and mad at you. He's overjoyed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us. Give us eyes to see the incredible love of our Father this day. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Help us to see the compassion of our Father, uh, that he wants to hug us and kiss us and is so excited and pleased and overjoyed that we have repented of whatever areas of prodigal living we may have. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father lets him confess that. And it's true. All of these things are true in our lives. We're not worthy to be called sons of God. It's by his grace and mercy that we can be sons of God in Jesus Christ based entirely on what Jesus has done, not at all based on what we've done. We have, when we sin, we do sin against our heavenly father. We do sin against heaven and his kingdom. We're supposed to live in advancement of the kingdom of God. We're supposed to use our inheritance our time, talents, and treasures in advancing the kingdom of God. And, and, and when, when we do the contrary, we actually sin against the kingdom of God, as well as our Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But again, I said verse 22 is paramount because the Father, although the Father hears it, he doesn't live there. The Father doesn't say, I told you so, you worthless so-and-so. He doesn't say that at all. Verse 22, but the Father said to his servants, quick, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 23, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father heard the repentance. But it's, he doesn't identify the son. By all he did wrong. He doesn't stop there and lecture the son for three hours, three days, three months, three years. Sometimes we want to throw the mistakes that believers make. We want to throw them in their face for years. True forgiveness doesn't keep bringing it up over and over and over and over. Remember? Living for Jesus loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. If a believer comes to you and has made a mistake and asks for forgiveness, you hear him, you receive it, you say, I forgive you, but then, quick, bring the best robe. Just go hugging on him and loving on him like this father did. If you want to be a good spiritual father or mother, then have compassion. Throw your arms around believers that repent and love on them. And you know what? There'll be time later to lovingly discuss, you know, where they got off track. Of course we want to do that. Of course the scriptures are filled with accountability. But can we have some love in the beginning? 
can you know can believers come home to the church or to their family and can we just love them first can we be excited first can we not just always lecture them first you know and i'm guilty of this father i ask you to forgive me uh, i thank you that when i come to you that that it's your love that i experience first and then there's be time where you where you know where you show me where i can do better to not make the same mistakes but Help us, Lord, to, to receive repentant believers back with love and compassion and affection. The Father allows the Son to confession. That's important. The Father doesn't say, oh, no, no, Son, that's not true. You haven't sinned against heaven and against me. Sometimes we do that as well. We need to allow believers to confess the truth. We ourselves need to confess the truth. You don't deny it. I have sinned against heaven and against you. And that's true. We are not worthy to be called sons of our God or daughters. That's true. The father hears that. That's true. He's glad we understand it. But then the father says, quick, let's celebrate this repentance. The father celebrates the son coming home. The father celebrates his repentance of misusing his inheritance of prodigal living. And he gets the robe and, you know, there are meaning in all these things, but it's, it's the father's willing to, to give you the best robe, not a used robe. You're his son. You're his daughter. Even when you make mistakes, when you come home, I imagine he was wearing raggedy clothes, right? From living with the pigs. I'm sure he had pig slop all over him. He probably didn't smell very good, but now he goes from that to having the best robe on him because you're home with your father. Come home today to your heavenly father and he'll put the best robe on you he'll put the ring on your finger that'll remind you that you are a son of your heavenly father a daughter of your heavenly father god the father is your father jesus christ is your god your lord your savior your master your king your friend your husband and the holy spirit is your god and your counselor and your comforter Golly, thank you, Lord Jesus. There's a heavenly party when you repent. There's so much pleasure in your father. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. A special celebration was what this fattened calf was for. Very special times. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now, as I said, of course, when believers come home, we want to love them and assure them. And as the days and months and weeks go by, then, of course, we want to to sit down with them and love and, and encourage them. There will be time to talk about where, where things went wrong and, 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 and why they ran to the prodigal living, why they gave themselves to the world. And we do want to make sure we encourage them and build them up so that they don't go back to this. But that, that doesn't have to be all of it. There ought to also be love and compassion and mercy, and that ought to be there first. And then accountability comes after that. Verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What does that mean? I think this is part of the verse where people get confused about salvation. So this son of mine was dead and is alive again. Okay, so uh, we know this isn't talking about salvation because when you get saved, you're forever alive. You become alive in Christ. Before you get saved, you're dead. 
once you get saved, you're forever alive. You're alive in Christ. Your spirit is alive. It never dies again. You don't get saved and unsaved every time you sin. You don't go death life, death life, death life, death life every time you make a mistake, every time you sin, every time you live in prodigal living. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's sealed you. He'll never leave you. As a matter of fact, you can grieve him. And certainly we all do at some level and in some ways. Um, so when this said he is dead and is alive again, um, the son had been living in death. Remember in John 10.10, 10, the second half of the verse, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. When you receive Jesus, you get born again. You become alive. Your spirit is alive. And Jesus lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you and gives you life. But he doesn't just want you to be alive in the kingdom of God as a son or daughter of God. He wants you to have the fullness of life. But most believers live more in death than they do in life. Most believers have characteristics that seemingly go more with death than life. Jesus wants us to live in the fullness of life. This son was just living a, a he, he, was, he was a dead man walking, so to speak, right? Uh, he's a child of God, but his entire life was, in lifestyle, was one of death. It really didn't have any life in it. And he says he's alive again, which means, you know, there was a time he was at home with his father, living in the fullness of life with his father, and now he's he's back to that place. This is not talking about salvation. Uh, this isn't saying that whenever you sin, uh, you're dead and going to hell, and then when you repent, you're alive again, and then when you sin... Uh, your salvation doesn't work that way. Once you're truly saved, you're forever saved. And again, I, uh, that's, that's a whole other conversation. But if you're genuinely and truly saved, and God is truly your Father, and Jesus your Lord, and the Holy Spirit's living in you, that'll never be taken from you. If it's genuine, if you've truly received Jesus um, into your heart, and there's a difference between, you know, believing in Jesus intellectually and trusting him and relying on him as your Lord and Savior, knowing your need of him, asking him to be the Lord of your life, desperately knowing you have no hope without him. In that, you are truly saved and you're trusting and relying on Jesus alone. And so um, when it says here again, he is dead and is alive again, it's talking about how he was living. He was living a lifestyle of worldliness, which is really death. There's no life in it. But now he's alive again in home with his father. He was lost and is found. Obviously, when he went away from his father's house, he was lost. He was lost in worldly living. He was lost in prodigal living. He was lost. He's a son of God, but yet he was living as if he belonged to the world. He was lost and is found. He's come home. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this teaching. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Father, again, we ask you to help us today in freedom and in joy to repent of any and all aspects of prodigal living in our lives that we all have, Lord. In whatever ways, Lord, that we're misusing our our, our, your estate, our earthly inheritance that you've given us for this life. 
We ask you to help us to repent, Lord, and to, and to increasingly use the time you've given us, the gifts and talents you've given us, and the money and treasures you've given to us more and more for the advancement of your kingdom, for the glory of your name, for the benefit of your people. Lord, help us to enjoy the personal interests we have and the hobbies we have, but forgive us when they become an idol, Lord, and uh, we spend the vast majority of our time in, in worldly activity that has nothing to do with you. Lord, help us and give us eyes that see you and ears that hear you, that we, we may walk with you more intimately. We thank you for your word, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and goodness. Father, we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.